Wait, wait, stop, stop the music, stop the music, stop the music. It's the wrong intro song, come on. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is Joe P. Josh. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, fighting for faith, family, and freedoms on the front lines of the America First movement. I played that today because an article from Fox News came across my desk. Outgoing National Institute of Health Director Francis Collins raises eyebrows singing about a post-pandemic life. That's not the actual recording. Uh, during a press briefing, or whatever, wherever it was, because it was a lower quality recording, but here's that clip. Somewhere past the pandemic, when we're free. Same song, just. Just just a, a different setting. This is an actual health HHS briefing. HHS.gov paid for this recording. <clears throat> an article from Fox News said, The National Institute of Health Director Dr. Francis Collin, who announced his intention to retire earlier this year, bid farewell to his role in the NIH by picking up a guitar and playing his own COVID-centric rendition of Somewhere Over the Rainbow titled Somewhere Past the Pandemic. We're free. There's a life I remember full of activity. Somewhere past the pandemic, no quarantine. We'll all stay well and he- healthy thanks to a safe vaccine. Colin performed this rendition in November, which is the one that I played. A video performing the song with an acoustic guitar was published to the American Activity of Arts and Science official YouTube channel. Uh, the 71-year-old uh, f- physician who oversaw the Research Center for 12 years, announced his resignation Tuesday, saying he will step down from his job, from his post, by the end of 2021. So I I, want to play some more of that, because this is just, this is sad. So let's just restart it. This is the better version of it. This is the higher quality recording. Okay, we're done with that. That's as much as I'm playing. Because my ears hurt. Yours ears hurt. That's 46 seconds more than we needed to hear of that. <laughs> I don't even really have much to say about this besides why is why is this what we're using our time with? What we're using our taxpayer dollars to fund? He's the NIH director. NIH director salary. Let's see if I can find that. According to Glassdoor, it's somewhere between $143,000 and $243,000 a year. So this guy, Mr. Doctor, 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 he has a doctorate. Francis Collins is using our taxpayer dime to sing a parody 
straight out of woke Weird Al Yankovic. Not saying that Weird Al Yankovic is woke. I don't know a lot about him. But if he was, this would be one of his songs. And we're using taxpayer dollars to broadcast this to the American people. It's, it's absolutely absurd. This was at an official NIH briefing. It was his final briefing. And he somehow finds time to rewrite songs and publishes them to social media. This is disturbing. It's bad. It's actually terrible how bad of a song this is. I do some musical theater just just at my school and things, and it's not a bad performance. And I'm not saying that doing musical theater makes me more qualified to talk about this. It's just so bad. It's just so bad. Uh, it, it, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. It's so sad that, 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 they, that they can find time to do this during COVID. And I understand stress relieving is needed. I understand this podcast used to be my stress relief, and then I started doing it daily. <laughs> uh, I understand it was supposed to be stress relieving, but that's just that's just so bad. It's so sad. So so terrible, to be completely honest. What else is terrible is doctoring text messages. Let me see if I can find this article here. I had it pulled up on my computer, but I searched that video to play as the intro music instead. Of Adam Schiff. It's a 50-second clip from The Federalist. I want to display just a few of the message he received from people. He being Mark Meadows. Congress. The committee is not naming these lawmakers at this time as our investigation is ongoing. If we could cue the first graphic, this one reads. So this is a, just a just a lawmaker text, which it doesn't actually say who it was. I think this was supposed to be from Jim Jordan, but we're going to get into the article here in a minute. But it says on January sixth, twenty twenty one. I think he actually reads it. I'm not sure. January sixth, twenty twenty one. Vice President Mike Pence, as President of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes. At all. You can see why this is so critical to ask Mr. Meadows about. About a lawmaker suggesting that the former vice president simply throw out votes that he unilaterally deems unconstitutional. Okay, so we're going to end that clip now. This is an article from The Federalist who broke this story. Big props to the people over at The Federalist. This is just, I'll link the whole article in the show notes below if you want to read it. Not only did Schiff lie about the substance of the messages and his sources, he even doctored the message and graphics that he displayed on screen during his statement. The full text message was forwarded to Mark Meadows from Representative Jim Jordan on the on the evening of Monday, January 5th, was significantly longer than what Schiff read and had put on screen. But Schiff erased significant portions of the text and added punctuation where there was none to give the impression that Jordan himself was tearlessly directing Meadows to give orders to Pence on how to handle the electoral vote certification. The original text was written by Washington attorney and former Department of Defense Inspector General Joseph Schmitz and included an attachment of a four-page draft word document drafted by Schmitz that detailed Schmitz's legal reasoning for suggesting that Pence had the constitutional authority to object to the certification of electoral votes submitted by a handful of states. The piece that Schmitz had uh, sent to Jordan was published at the website everylegal.vote the next day and even included the same discussion draft heading and timestamp on the document that Schmitz sent to Jordan. Good luck tomorrow, he sent to Jordan on the evening of the 5th, including the Word document as an attachment. Schmidt then texted Jordan a three-paragraph three summary of his Word document, 
which Schiff sliced and diced and then attributed to Jordan. Schmidt continued, no legislative act, wrote Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Number 78, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. The court of Hubert v. Lowe enforced this truth that is an unconstitutional statute, is not a law at all, and is a proportionate is proposition no longer open to, to discussion. Appeal dismissed. Following the rationale of this unconstitutionally appointed elector like an unconstitutionally enacted statute, there is no elector at all. In his statement on the on-screen graphic, Schiff erased the final two paragraphs from the final clause of the first paragraph on the text message before inserting punctuation that was never there, all without disclosing what he was doing. The graphic displayed by Schiff, which was doctored to look like an exact screenshot, was similarly doctored as it was contained content that was never in the original message and eliminated content that was. Is anyone surprised that Schiff is again rifling through private text messages and cherry-picking information to fit his partisan narrative and sow misinformation? Schiff never approached Jordan to discuss the text messages prior to chopping them and misrepresenting them during Monday's night hearing. Had he had done so or bothered Jordan about the text messages, Schiff would have known that Jordan was merely relaying to Meadows without comment an attorney's summary of that attorney's own legal argument as to what Pence should, should or should not do. Multiple sources who regularly communicate with Jordan also scoffed the idea that Jordan, who's known for his only brief one or two word text, if at all, would sit down and type out a multi-paragraph narrative with precise legal citations. The idea that Jordan would sit down and punch out a long-winded legal argument via text is absurd. One individual who regularly talks to Jordan told the Federalist that is not just how he works. If he texts at all, it's usually something like, yes, or call me, that colleague said. Another GOP lawmaker echoed those sentiments about Jordan's text habits. That's just not Jim's style. So what Adam Schiff did is he took these text messages that could be possibly incriminating to President Trump. He doctored them to make it look like Jim Jordan sent them, and he doctored them to pretend that they said something that they didn't, adding punctuation. Now, it's one thing to paraphrase and admit that you're paraphrasing and allow everything to go to the record like I I think you properly should. He did not say that he was doctoring these text messages. He did not say that he was cherry-picking the information. He did not say that he added punctuation to these text messages. So what he did, he took this he, he took this long document, I don't know how it was received or how it was given to him, took out some of it, oh, this would look bad against President Trump, this would look bad against Mark Meadows, this would look bad against Jim Jordan, put it in there, added some punctuation to make it look like it says something it doesn't, and he sent it off and put it on a graphic. And the graphic is pretty obvious, it's a fake text message, but it, it, if you were... Let's say a 60-year-old... How, how old is Adam Schiff? Adam Schiff age. 61. If you were a 61-year-old lawmaker, you would believe that looked pretty accurate to a real text message. And I, I think if it's just the notification, it probably does. But it, it's, a, it's a dumb graphic. They wouldn't have had that screenshot anyway. But doctoring a message to make it look like something is said that wasn't said is just, is just discerning. It's just bad. It's not good. It's it's just not a good thing to do. And if you remember right, Schiff also lied about his interactions with a whistleblower when it came to the Russian collusion hoax and the impeachment of him and of Trump in 2019. He also lied about that in doctor documents. Then Adam Schiff, so sad, and it, it's really taking away what was formerly respect for the position of United States representative, and I I still respect representatives, whether I agree or not, but when you're going to doctor messages to hurt your political opponents with no source but besides hurting hurting your political opponents, yeah, I don't respect that at all, and I don't think anyone should. 
So pretty much, if you disagree with someone politically, you're allowed to doctor their text messages. They're, you're allowed to pretend they said something that they didn't. And, you know, whatever he wants to do. I mean, he is he's getting caught right in it. Getting caught right in the middle. He needs to be held accountable for this. Maybe once we take back the house, something will actually happen, but I doubt it. My name is JP Josh. We'll be right back after this. Oh, wrong, wrong intro song, or wrong outro song again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back, I should say. Still a little thrown off by the last intro song, so I'm not really sure what point of the show we're in today. Today's been a really good episode so far. I'm very happy with it. Today's a good Thursday. Usually Thursdays are like, uh, so close to the weekend. But you know, very excited for Thursday today. Not ready for next week, because that means next week the podcast will be over for the rest of the year. I'm not excited for that at all. I'm not excited for that at all. But what I am excited about is the midterm elections, and I'm not going to be dooming on the midterms just yet. Maybe when we get closer and polls are catching up to us, we might, or donations, I should say, are catching up to us, I might start dooming. But for now, no dooming. It's called We Do Not Do a Little Bit of Dooming, okay? What we do do, no pun intended, Senate Republicans raise nearly $8.4 million in November. The National Republican Senatorial Committee, this is from Breitbart's Jacob Bliss, announced in a fundraising haul of almost $8.4 million in November, with over $30 million in hand and zero debt. The committee said they raised a total of $8.389 million in November, giving them a healthy war chest going into the election year with $30 million cash on hand and the advantage of having zero debt. They received 220, $220,935,200. Let me try to reword that. 220,935 overall donations with an average donation amount of $36.81, which is the lowest average so far in the 2022 election cycle. The NRSE tied that they were able to receive 219,438 donations, totaling 5.32 million in small dollar donations, meaning that they were less than 200. The group said that 13,000 of the donations came from first time donors. Unless it was one of the merchandise things that I fell for on the Trump website, I don't think I've ever donated to the NRSC, so I would be one of the first-time donors if I was going to. Right now, I'm not going to planning on donating to the RNC in any capacity. Rick Scott said instead of working to help families succeed, Democrats are threatening them. They're threatening to get folks fired through unconstitutional vaccine mandates. They're threatening struggling families with a cho- choice between gas, groceries, or heating their homes this winter. I want to look up a vote. I, I want to look up a vote. I'm- I might have to pause the recording while I do this, but... Uh, not debt ceiling, shut down, government shut down, let's see if I can find this, government shut down, passed, act, Tim Scott, or Rick Scott said that, what's the legislation number, because I'm looking up to see who voted for this, what's the number, what's the number, what's the number, what's the number, come on, CNBC, you gotta help me out here, you gotta help me out here, Okay, I'm pausing the recording while I find this because I don't want to run use up all my time. Okay, we're back. It's called We Do a Little Bit of Not Being Able to Find the Name of a Bill. 
I wanted to see if he voted to allow the government to stay open and avoid a shutdown. But I can't find the name of the bill. Name of the bill. If someone knows, please let me know. Uh, it was 69 to something vote. Of her shut down. I, I'm really trying to find this because I really want to find out. But we can't find it. So if 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 you know, please email me, josh at jopjosh.com. We'll get to it tomorrow if I do get information about that. Good thing for the RNC to have so much money in their, or NRSC to have so much money in their war chest. Don't really think it's going to do them much, to be honest, because if they don't stop this vaccine mandate, if they don't stand up for government shutdowns when they are needed, I don't think they will be able to get elected with eight with $30 million. Donate that money. I don't know how, how many times I have to say this. Do not donate to the RNC. Donate that money to individual campaigns. Donate that if you want, let's just say Josh Mandel in the state of Ohio. I'm not endorsing Josh Mandel. But if you want Josh Mandel to win, don't donate to the NRSC. Donate to Josh Mandel. If you want Rick Scott to win, don't donate to the RNC, RNSC. Donate to Rick Scott. And I don't even know what state Rick Scott serves. This has been a long. It, it's been a long day, guys. It, it's it's nine a or ten a.m. It's been a long day. Florida. If you want Rick Scott to win in Florida, I don't even know if he's up for re-election. But just do, just donate to the individual candidates, not to the NRSC, because they're going to focus more on states like Kentucky to keep their leadership in power. And I know that. Kevin McCarthy, or not Kevin McCarthy, I'm so sorry. Mitch McConnell is not up for re-election, but you know what it is. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say. And what I'm trying to say on Twitter is that vaccinated people can spread COVID, but you better not say that on Twitter because according to Breitbart, Twitter will penalize users who claim that people who are vaccinated against coronavirus can still spread the disease, even though official guidelines from the Center of Disease Control claim otherwise. Users can face it. A range of penalties for violating the policy, including having a fact check label attached to their tweets, temporary suspensions, and permanent bans from the platform. Via media, I, when tweets include meeting, misleading information about COVID-19, we may place a label on those tweets that include corrective information about that claim. The website notes in a section detailing its rules about COVID-19 misinformation. We may apply to those tweets to contain, for example, false or misleading claims that people who have received the vaccine can spread or shed the virus to unvaccinated people. Users can receive penalties up to a permanent ban. The change was made on December 2nd, according to Wayback Machine Archive, retrieved from the Reclaim, Reclaim the Net. The policy contradicts the Center for Disease Control Prevention guidance, with, which notes the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection in fully vaccinated people cannot be completely eliminated as long as there is continued community transmission of the virus. So, vaccinated people can spread COVID. We know this, but Twitter doesn't want you to know this. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to hit my microphone there. They don't want you to know this. They want you to just continue to get the vaccine, get the booster, get take the pill when you get sick. Never stop complying. Never stop allowing them to control you. Never stop. And this wasn't actually on the agenda today, but I, I remember hearing about it. <clears throat> Facebook says that their fact checks are opinions. This is a, an opinion article from New York Post, but I'm going to read it anyway. 
Facebook is a private company, so it can suspend, so it can censor whoever it wants. They, along with other fact checkers, lied about the person who wrote this, which is John Stossel, and lied about them. Amazingly, the lawyers now claim that Facebook's fact checkers are merely opinion and immune to defamation. How Facebook portrays them on their website as a as a statement of fact. Each time a fact checker rates a piece of content as false, Facebook significantly reduces the content's distribution. <clears throat> Facebook's opinion defense is similar to what Car- Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow argued when they were sue- sued. They said we just give our opinions. Our viewers knew we weren't we aren't source for objective facts. But Carlson and Maddow have a better argument. They're known for giving opinions. Facebook posts fact checks. The company calls itself Meta, also has a judge to toss the lawsuit because Section 230 uh, protects them from liability for materials posted by third parties. But it was Facebook, not a third party, that declared this specific post partly false. Facebook's warning have created by Facebook and voice in a Facebook voice. We apply a warning label. So, let, let me see if I'm gathering the same thing from that opinion article. That you are. If you are fact-checked on Facebook, that is not a statement of fact. That is an opinion. By the person who claims to be a fact-checker, who claims to be giving you some Pinocchios or however it works on Facebook, I'm not on Facebook. Because you spread misinformation... But that misinformation is just whatever they believe will hurt their political opponents or who will hurt their political adversaries, their their political allies. Well, if it's censored, it will help Chuck Schumer get reelected. It will help. It will help Kathy Hochul win her governor race in New York. I don't know why I'm so focused on New York. It will help Nan Whaley win in Ohio. Because if you can't get the truth out on Facebook because they're deciding that their opinion trumps your opinion. And I'm assuming listening to this podcast, you guys are, you listeners are Republicans, you are conservatives, not quite Republicans, but conservatives, America first conservatives. Your opinion doesn't matter. They're going to continue banning and unbanning you. So you post about the Facebook jail. When you get back on Facebook, so you post about the Facebook jail, and then they ban you again, and you get another shirt. You get like a little shirt that you put check marks on every time you get banned or something, and you promote Facebook to people who may agree with you. Continue banning them. They join the train. They make money off your name. They make money off your data. They make money off your advertising. And the only way you can stop it is to stop using the platform. But that won't happen. That won't happen. Twitter will continue to trump every other social media platform, it seems like. Not Twitter, I'm saying Facebook, I'm sorry. We'll continue to trump every social media platform until Trump's truth social comes out. Conservative voices will continue getting censored. And there's nothing we can do about it because our lawmakers will not stand up for the right of free speech online. Our lawmakers will not stand up to these biased, opinionated fact checks. Our lawmakers will not stand up for the values of their citizens, of their constituents, 
Because Facebook writes them a check and lobbies for them. Facebook lobbies to them, donates to their campaign, this and that, so they won't do anything about it. My name is GOP Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader. Really appreciate you coming out, uh, coming and listening today. Hope I will talk to you tomorrow on tomorrow's episode, tomorrow's edition of the Conservative Crusader. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.